Father, I pray that as we as we look at this passage today, a very, very familiar, most of us can quote the fruits of the Spirit. We can sing a song about it or, or whatever. But, but I pray that you would take something that maybe is well known to us and, and show us something fresh and new in it. Show us how we can exhibit these fruits to our friends, to our neighbors, to the body of Christ, to, to our fellow brothers and sisters, even in this room this morning. Show us how we can do this in greater measure and impress upon us why you even want to develop this inside of us. And so I pray you bless the time we have right now to look at Galatians 5, to look at your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, I've been asked about uh, last week's sermon. I, I did a message on spiritual gifts in uh, liberation. So we talked a lot about justice issues. And uh, if you're not in a community group, you might not know this, but there's a whole chapter on that in the community group series. And so I'm following the outline of that, of that small group series. That's why we talked about it. It wasn't, <clears throat> excuse me, it wasn't off topic. It was very much on topic in that sense. And the same way with this morning. This morning's interesting because in the community group guide, it says, uh, spiritual gifts in relationships. But what, what the, what the, what the material covers is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm just gonna put this out there. And, and th- this is how I see it. I don't think fruits of the Spirit are the same thing as spiritual gifts. I, I would not confuse those. I wouldn't have put that title in that particular chapter. But, but I love this study on the fruits of the Spirit itself. Like, that's all good. Better title. And so I retitled my message, The Fruit of the Spirit in Relationships, because I don't believe fruit is the same as gifts. Let me point this out. You could... You can have somebody incredibly gifted, a Christian that's incredibly gifted, making, making an impact in their church or in their community, and they might have some rotten fruit, you know? Have, have, have you heard any stories recently, like probably we all have, of pastors that have covered over sin, and, and then it gets exposed, and it just it kind of rocks the church because people are sitting back going, but... but I grew through their ministry. They used their spiritual gifts, and by God's grace, unmerited favor, right? We don't deserve it. By God's grace, I grew through it. And yet, now I hear that there are things about that person that are really, really hard. There's some character issues. There's a lack of the fruit of the Spirit. And so I'd say these things are very, very difficult. They should be, they're all connected in that the Spirit is involved in them, but at the same time, they can be very different as well. And so, I always think one of the, one of the most interesting things of a search process, and my prayer for this church as it seeks a new pastor is, yes, I know you're going to be able to see gifting. That's one of the first things you notice about a pastor is their gifting. But I pray you'll be able to discern fruit. Because fruitfulness shows how yielded they are to the Spirit, how the Spirit's using them, how the Spirit's working inside of them. And so the question becomes, how do you discern fruit? How how do you know it? Um, I'm not going to answer that question necessarily this morning, but I just wanted to put it out there. I do see these things as separate. Even though we're in a series on spiritual gifts, I'm happy to be preaching this message on Fruit. So would you turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5? Galatians chapter 5. 
And we're going to back up to verse, yeah, verse 13 is where we're going to start today. Galatians 5, 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So can we see from the beginning, before we get to the fruit, the whole context of where Paul is going to the Galatian church, he's talking about relational problems. And so I think it's a good reminder for all of us, and this will be number one, don't, we must always, always, always be on guard lest we bite and devour one another. That's verse 15. And if you think about the language Paul uses here, biting, devouring, consuming, it's this very visceral, this this very, you know, this very tough language to use that he's saying that it's very easy for the church to get into the habit of biting each other and devouring each other. If you're not careful, you're actually going to get consumed, which I, which I think has this feeling of finality to it. Like there's, there's something very destructive about what's happening here. And so, uh, I mean, this is something we teach our kids from the earliest ages, right? Johnny, don't bite your sister, you know? Don't do it. Did you have to teach your kids that? I bet you did. Did you ever get bit by your kids? I bet you have. Anybody got a scar from it? Right? Um, this is something we always teach our kids. Don't bite. Don't do it. You shouldn't. And kids just kind of like, they just figure, I'm just going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to bite. But, but Paul says, there can be something very immature about Christians when we bite each other, when we try to devour each other. Look, you know, none of, none of us want to raise little cannibals, you know. That's what I always feel like. And I don't want to teach you like, to, this, this is crazy. But, but the church can almost cannibalize itself, Paul is saying, by the way we treat each other, by the words we use to each other, by the way we do friendships and relationships. And Paul says, you always got to be careful about this, lest you start biting somebody else through gossip or, or slander, harsh words, losing your temper, whatever that is. This is, this is something we all got to be reminded of. And I guess it's kind of like, well, why? Like, why the reminder 
why in the context of fruits of the Spirit? So why can't we just focus on the good stuff, you know? Why this whole negative, bad, are, are you doing this? And I think it's like, why do churches struggle with this? Because, well, if you take a look at the list of sins that Paul gives here, you'll notice most of them are very relational. Um, I'll, I'll read them for you again. Um, he says, uh, verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. That means they're obvious. We all get this. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Then you have like the, these, these, even, the, the, these friendship issues that can happen, like enmity and strife and being jealous of somebody else and having a fit of anger with someone or feeling a rivalry, like, like it's you versus that other person, or, or dissensions when, when you stand against somebody together, uh, divisions, same kind of idea, like, like we're on this side and you're on that side. Uh, if you envy somebody, like the blessings they have, or maybe you envy someone else's friendship that they enjoy drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then if you jump down to the end, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. These are all like relational things, aren't they? They're things we do in the context of church life. And Paul's like, that, that should just never be. But this is what he says. Um, verse 17, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so a part of me is like, why do we get into relational difficulties? Why? Why is that? Why can things be so hard? And Paul's answer is, it's you. It's me. It's the stuff going on inside of you that's spilling out into your friendships and your relationships and other people in the church. It's you. James says the same thing in different words. He would say, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He says, it's the desires that battle within you. It's all within you. Paul talks about the war. James talks about the war. I see a lot of confirmation that if I see relational issues, it's a sign that there's a battle going on inside. There is something in me that sabotages good relationships and the question is can i call it out do i even see it do i know when it happens maybe i feel the after effects of it when i feel the distance between me and somebody else but do i really call it out and know that it's going on and that it's damaging people around me so in the context of bad relationships and bad friendships, and, and maybe as I'm talking, you've got one in mind that you can think of, something, a relationship that went south, and you're wondering what happened. Maybe my next question is, what is the Lord doing about it? And for this, we've got to go back a little further. I would invite you to turn to Isaiah to learn more about the fruits of the Spirit. The answer is fruits of the Spirit, but I want to show you where it shows up first. If you would go to Isaiah chapter uh, 32, we can have the next slide up there. They can see the reference. Isaiah 32. Now, I I, I never knew this. I was studying this, and I was thinking, I, I thought to myself, I wonder if there's any 
seeds of this fruit of the Spirit idea in the Old Testament. If I could find them, we, we could talk about this, you know. Where does Paul get this idea, besides obviously the Holy Spirit inspired him to write it, right? But, but where does he get this idea of the fruit of the Spirit? And I wonder if there's something here in Isaiah 32. So if you're looking at that with me, look at Isaiah 32, verse 15. Um, it's, it's talking about, you know, people that, that are complacent, that are not following God, and yet, and yet something's about to happen. There's an outpouring of the Spirit that's coming. This is verse 15. It says, Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effect, the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. So at least one of the fruits is named right there. It's peace. And, 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 and there's a prediction here that one day God's going to pour out a spirit from on high and God's people are going to become like a fruitful field. A fruitful field. Even this church. A fruitful field. Now, would you go to Isaiah 57? There's one more spot I'd like you to see and think about this. Isaiah 57.15. Isaiah 57.15 says... For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place. And also, so not only going to dwell in the highest holy place, but also with him who is contrite, who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit will grow faint before me in the breath of life I have made. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him, hid my face, and was angry. He went on backsliding in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace. Peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. Again, God's desire is to create this fruit that's coming out of our mouth. Like we know our mouth creates so many problems when we talk about people, say harsh words to people. It can create so many issues. But here God is thinking about a fruitfulness that comes from the mouth, that creates peace, words that make peace between parties that were at odds with each other. And I just want to say this. This fruit of the Spirit has been planned from a long, long time ago. So you cannot say this relationship has no hope, right? Like, like, like there's no hope for us to rectify this. Now, now I, I know there's always exceptions, and I know there's always things done in relationships that can be, you know, th- th- this will never be restored based on the harsh action that was taken. I understand there's some extreme circumstances, but I'm saying in general, when we're talking about relational bumps and bruises, you can't say, well, I'm just going to give up because I can't see any fruit coming from this. I just can't do it. I can't apologize for what I did. I know they're not going to apologize for what they did. I just, I just give up, you know. When God says, I am creating fruit from your mouth, 
I'm creating this place to be a fruitful field, even a forest. It's a place where the, fruits, the fruit of the Spirit is going to grow and be abundant. If you think about it, God's plan from hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years ago was for you to be here today growing fruit in your relationships. That was his plan, even in Isaiah. Number three, well, how does it grow? If you go back to Galatians, how does it work? How do you grow the fruit of the Spirit? Well, I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to say a couple of things. Hopefully it will be helpful. Like say you say, I, I want to grow in patience. I want to grow in love. I want to be more kind. I don't want my words to be harsh. I just keep opening and just keep saying stupid things. How do I, how do, I do it? Well, I would say it like this. The fruit grows in a gradual and interconnected way through the Spirit. I want to explain that, okay? Um, you notice that he calls all of the, the list of sins, he calls it the deeds of the flesh. But he doesn't call the, the, the love, joy, and peace the deeds of the Spirit. He calls it the fruit. It's something that, that the Holy Spirit is producing. He, he's doing it. If he doesn't act, you don't get it. Either he gives you fruit or you're not going to have it. So the fruit grows, but, but the way it grows is gradual. I mean, fruit doesn't spring up overnight. It takes time to develop. And some fruit grows faster than others. And, 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 and even when Jesus was talking about the parable of the sower, that there, there's some fruitfulness that's like a hundred times, and some that's like ten times. And I think it's on us then as believers, when we see somebody that doesn't have well-developed fruit, you know, the apples are a little smaller than they should be. The grapes don't look fully ripened, you know, and we see it, and we should go up to them and say, you need to have greater fruit. No, we don't do that. Like, like you look at the person and you say, you're in development just like me. Your fruit is growing at, at its own pace, and that's okay. But neither can we say, though, that, well, this is just the way I am. I'm never going to change. No, fruit does grow. Good fruit does grow. So you can't say, I'm always going to be impatient. That's just the way I am. I always say unkind words when people tick me off. That's just the way I am. No, you can't say that because the fruit of the Spirit grows. It grows. I'll also say the fruit of the Spirit is interconnected. And what I mean by that is, it's not called the fruits of the Spirit, like plural. A lot of you know this. You've seen this. It, it, the Greek word is singular. It's the fruit, like, like one fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit with nine qualities, nine virtues, one fruit. And so maybe at different times, I know I've done this. I'm sure I've done this. I've said to myself, well, I just need to grow in, in patience. If I had patience, I'd have it all, you know. If you just had a little more self-control, every you know you you you'd really be on your way. You know, it's it's a it's a package deal. Any of you collectors of stuff, collectors, stamp collectors, coin collectors, nobody. Sorry, okay. Some of you are okay. Um, you know, if you like collecting, and I've got this thing in me that I have to like resist. It's it's the collector mentality. I got I got to like stop it because it, it it's not good. At least to me, it's not good. Might be good for you though. Um, if you had that collector mentality, like may, maybe you go to like 
the, the rock shows and you buy some rocks or, or, or you look at different coins and like, oh, if I just had that coin, that would be a great coin in the collection. And, and, and part of the thrill of that is you're adding to what you've got. You know, I've got all of this and I'm going to add this great piece right in the center. This is perfect. You know, that's a collector. Well, the fruit of the spirit is not a collection. It's a it's a set. It belongs together. I was always so jealous when I was a kid. We trade baseball cards and football cards, you know, and, and you meet with your friends. They always seem to know the best cards. I never knew. They always took advantage of me. It's true. Um, but but they, they would trade me, and I'll give you two cards for this one, and we're doing deals, and I have no idea what I'm doing. But then I realized that you could do something, and, and, and you could cheat your way to the full set. Now, my kids have no idea what I'm talking about now because they don't, they don't grow up with this, right? But, but they had this, this box, and it was like this long, and it had every single athlete's card in it. In other words, you could pay whatever it was, $20, $40, $60, and you could get everybody. I did that one time. And I didn't trade any of those cards because I had the set. It's probably in my – no, my parents moved. They probably got rid of it. Man, um – it's probably sold, and it went for a million bucks. I don't even know about it. Probably went for a million bucks. But I had a whole set of, like, you know, 1990 football cards. It was something like that, you know. Um, and there's probably some good ones in there. But, but it was a set, and you get it in the box, and this is what the Holy Spirit does. He says, I'm going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to produce the fruit in you, and it's a set. You get it all. Now, it doesn't mean you have it all, you know, like working, right? I mean, there's, there's days when maybe you said a kind word to your wife, but you went to work and said a harsh word to your boss, right? Like, like that happens. Where's the patience there when you have, you know. So, so I'm, I'm not saying it's like they're, they're all at equal levels. I'm not, not saying that. But I'm saying you cannot say, I'm doing really good. I've got all the fruits, but I just lack a little bit of self-control. But I, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's not fine. Because the Spirit wants to produce all of that in you. All of it. They're interconnected. So as you step out and, in love, serve that person that's driving you crazy, then maybe you're able to say a kind word about them. And then maybe in saying a kind word about them, you're able to be patient the next time they do something. You know, it it all feeds on each other. I, I I don't think it's any mistake that Paul starts it with love, and ends it with self-control. I don't think that's a mistake. Because love covers all of it. And you need self-control to do any of it. Right? I think the fruit grows in a gradual and interconnected way through the Spirit. If the Spirit doesn't work, we don't see it. All right, so maybe you want to know now, now what, what, what do I have to do, though? Like, I see what the Spirit's doing. He's making me more patient, which means I'm going to say a kind word to somebody. And, and, and he's, he's helping me love well so that I have self-control. You know. so, so all this stuff's connected. What do I have to do? And I'm pretty sure I've heard people say, almost talk about this like it's passive. Like the Spirit produces it, which is absolutely true, so you just get to receive it. And yet... I've got, these, I've got these verbs that, that um, stand out to me in the passage. Like it says in verse 25, let us live. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk 
And to walk, I've got to take a step. Like I've got to make a decision to stand up and step. And so I'll say number four. Like what do, what do we have to do? We, we get an active role in cultivating this fruit as we walk by the Spirit. As we walk by the Spirit. And so I think part of this is, like he says in verse 16, Walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Would you be yielded to the Spirit? Would you be sensitive to what the Spirit wants to do in you? So, if you see somebody and you think of an encouraging word that you could say to them, that's probably the Spirit saying, go over and say it to them. But then often we go, well, I just just made that up. That was just me. And you sit back down. But the Spirit's saying, go walk over. And say that. If there's somebody in your life that is opposed to you, that gossips about you, that slanders you, they should have fruit, but they don't. And and you feel like you should bless them somehow. A kind word, an act of service, a financial blessing. You might say, oh, that's silly. They're just going to get more mad at me, and I I just can't, you know. But, but 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 if that came into your heart, isn't that how you get led by the Spirit, when those thoughts come into your mind and you know they glorify God and they love the person? So so, so will you respond to the Spirit? Will you walk across the room? Will you say that word, do that thing? I think that's the active role all of us have in responding to the fruit of the Spirit. So we're, um, we're towards the end here, and, uh, I think the other thing about, you know, keeping in step with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, is just do what you know to do. Like, do your spiritual life the way you know how to do it. Definition of spirituality. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. My professor made me memorize it in college, and it's one of the best things he could have had me memorize, besides Scripture itself. I'll put the definition up here. Um, Spirituality is the life of Christ lived out into the believer by the power of the Holy Spirit in response to the word of God in prayer. Any of you, all of you can do that. This is like an everybody thing. It's not rocket science. Read your Bible. Pray. Respond to what the Spirit's telling you to do. Fix relationships. I mean, for some of you this morning, maybe what you've heard is, I've got to go to this person and say something. We've got to fix this thing. Maybe you need to apologize. It's got, it's got to be one of the things I hate the most in life is apologizing. I hate it. I feel stupid when I do it. I don't feel spiritual when I do it. And yet I know that when I do it, that is a spiritual act. It is a humbling. It shows gentleness when you can go to somebody and say, I blew it. I got this wrong. Um. So I'd like to end like this. I'd like to end blessing you to live by the Spirit and to grow this fruit well. So let's say it like this. Next slide. If you have been a devourer, then may you be transformed by the deep love of Christ. Next If you've let a difficult person make you miserable, then may you be strong in the joy of the Lord. 
If your thoughts are consumed by an offense, then may you have God's peace that transcends understanding. If you have spoken harsh words to someone in the heat of the moment, then may you have enduring patience. If you've gossiped about someone, then may you have heart-penetrating kindness. If you have withheld a beneficial word or deed from someone, may you have bold goodness. If you've allowed a friend to pull you away from Christ, then may you have renewed faithfulness. If you have been jealous about someone else's blessing, then may you have increasing gentleness. And finally, if you don't think you can change, then may you have spirit-wrought self-control. Let me pray for you. Father, we all fall short in so many ways in our relationships. And you have called us to something greater. You have given us fruit. Personally, I am so thankful for this church and all the ways they have been good friends and good family to me over these years. That I have not felt gossiped and slandered, and I haven't, feel, I haven't felt bitten and devoured. I am thankful that this is not a devouring church. But Lord, I'm not saying that we're perfect, and we always need these reminders so that we never become a devouring church. So Lord, would you, would you help us be gossip stoppers? To, to stop somebody mid-sentence and say, I'm not, I'm not going there. Would you help us put an end to slander? When we see someone being divisive, would we offer words of peace? The fruit that comes out of us, from our lips, just like Isaiah said. Would you develop a church of peacemakers? Lord, I pray for those who don't feel like they're in any strong friendships right now. And maybe they're hurting and they're looking around and they're seeing everybody else with their relationships. I pray you would give them a friend, a faithful friend, I pray for those that need to do business with somebody else because there's a wrong that's come between them. That you would give them boldness to talk about the issue and come to the table and deal with it. I pray for those that look around in jealousy and always compare, always seeing other people as having it better Would you help them be content and have peace about what you have blessed them with, which is all the spiritual blessings in Christ? 
Lord, would you do even greater things in this church, which is your fruitful field? May we grow the fruit in abundance by the power of the Holy Spirit in response to the word of God and prayer. And all the Lord's people said, Amen.